we often think that our difficulties are unique and we feel alone. The Psalms seem to describe how we feel. They seem to be able to communicate to the heart. The Psalms sympathize with our strengths and weaknesses, with our highs and our lows. The Psalms seem to understand our confusion when it seems that God has changed when we don't see God's blessing and we don't understand why. You know, sometimes we get discouraged and we ask this question, what is God doing? Why is God doing this? Why am I not being blessed? If you look right under the psalm number where it says Psalm 44, it says, to the chief musician, for the sons of Korah, Maskell. The design of this psalm is to teach us how to handle these kind of circumstances. You see, God wrote this psalm for our benefit today. There are times when we don't see God's blessing. We don't understand what God is doing. It may even look like you have lost God's blessing. Those days are discouraging and disheartening. You find yourself physically feeling what you emotionally and spiritually are feeling. You lose your zip and your drive. Maybe you even begin to feel forsaken. What should you do when you're not seeing God's blessings as clearly as you have in other times? Follow along with me as I read Psalm 44. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in times of old. How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand, and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people, and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm, and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name we will tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hate us. In God we boast all the day long, and praise thy name forever. Sila. The Sila was a musical pause. It was to let you stop and think about what you had just heard. You see, when God's blessings seem to be removed, the psalmist is going to teach us some very important things. A lady named Jeannie Dryley wrote a song that expresses the feeling of when we can't see God's blessing. We read, when God is silent and we don't know the way before us that we ought to go, when we've attempted to do his will, and yet his silence continues still, when God is silent and all seems lost, as o'er the waves our boat is tempest-tossed, when answers fail us and doubts arise, but God seems distant, hid from our eyes, then it's time to remember 
It's time to trust. It's time to remember that the Lord is faithful to his own. If we hope, we shall yet be praising once again, for his silence never means that we're alone. Discouragement is Satan's tool to help us lose hope. What should you do when God's blessings seem to disappear? We're going to notice four parts to this this morning. First of all, in verses 1 through 8, where we stopped, it's remember what he has done. And then we're going to look at verses 9 through 16, and it is look for God's fingerprints in the middle of disappointment or disaster. The third thing is, honestly take inventory of your life in verses 22 verses 17 through 21 and then pray for God's blessing in verses 20 through 22 through 26 what do you do when God's blessings seem to have disappeared let's look and see what God wanted us to learn when these times come First of all, verses 1 through 8, remember what God has done. Notice he says, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days and times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them, and thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. Notice he says, It's important that we remember God's works in the past. You see, this is a generational responsibility. It's important that we as parents, it's important that we as grandparents teach our children to remember what God has done. You see, the fathers told the children what God had done in the past. There was a personal account of what God had done. They were able to say, this is what God has done for us as a nation. This is what God has done for us as a family. You see, more than what God had done for the nation, God had provided for each of these families. And these families were telling their children, this is what God's done. You know, storytelling and, and images are so important in the Jewish culture. We as Gentiles often think in concrete structure kind of things, but the Jewish people think in, in pictures, in stories. And they would retell these incredible feats of God so that the children began realizing who God is and what God has done. You see, he says, look at the tangible blessings that you're enjoying. Look at the land you're living in. Look at the house in which you're living. Look at the city in which you live in. How did you get there? And notice the key words in verse 2. Thou didst drive them out. Thou didst afflict them. You see, the words drive out point to a specific kind of removal. It's remembering that someone else was here before you, remembering that they weren't listing their land to a realtor saying, we'd like to move to a different location. We hope some, some nation will come and buy our land. In fact, God had transferred this to them. God tells you, you're where you are on purpose. Your location is important. God wanted them to be there. The word afflict means to, to spoil or to break in pieces. God didn't just drive them out, but he broke their ability to come back and hurt Israel. It was thorough. It was complete. And then notice 
the end of verse 2, he says, and cast them out. That means to send away. That's the other side of this sandwich. If we were to look at this of how God began the work, he gave them this, and then he put the last piece of bread on there. He, he drove them out and cast them out. You see the reminder in verse 3 is God specifically removed others for the purpose of planting you. He says, for they got not the land in possession by their own sword. He's talking about their fathers. He says, we didn't end up here because we were so great and strong. It was God that gave the effort. It was God's right hand, the show of strength, his strong arm. It was God's arm. It was the light of his countenance. It was God intentionally looking toward us. It was God's love. You see, it's remembering the things that are in the past that are so important to us. Important to see what God has done. Let me ask you this. What has God done in your family? Cindy and I have talked about this again recently of all the different things that God has done and how grateful we are for God's blessing. How will the children know? Now over here on my desk, You'll see I have several different things. Sometimes in the mornings when I do a morning devotional, you'll see that I have a different mug in my hand. And I rotate the mugs that I use, and each of these mugs represents a place where our family has ministered. I'm still collecting more mugs of places where we've been, but they're always a reminder of what God has done and the opportunity we've had to serve him. Sometimes it may be an item, something, an article for you to remember. This is off of my blessing shelf. This would be something, at this point, I would have forgotten what God did. But several years ago now, many years ago, I was on a missions trip. And on that missions trip, we were there helping um, a home for handicapped people. We went to do vacation Bible schools, and we asked the people when we got there, is there anything we can do to help you? And they said, well, yes, there is. Could you help us remove a parking lot? And our eyes got big, and we said, well, let me get with the group. And we had a group of about 10 or 11 of us, and as we talked, we looked, and this parking lot was a parking lot about the size of the church that we rent. And as we looked at that, they, they gave us wheelbarrows and pickaxes and shovels. And we looked at that and one, there was no way the teenagers could do that in a week. And it would be discouraging. And so we met and we prayed. And we asked God to provide equipment for us. So, after we prayed, I called a tractor company that was nearby and told them what I wanted to do, and they said, well, we don't ever rent equipment, but you could buy a backhoe if you would like. And I laughed and said, that might be out of our teen mission budget. It might be too much for that. And the man smiled and said, tell you what, he said, I'll sell it to you, and I'll buy it back from you, and then we'll just deduct the number of hours you used on that tractor. So gratefully, the other sponsor that went with me was a heavy equipment operator. And he said, oh, I can run that piece of equipment. So he brought that, we drove it back, and we began destroying that old parking lot where they wanted to put a greenhouse. 
But we began realizing that the chunks were so big the kids couldn't carry them, and if every time we moved, if every time to move the junk, the debris, he had to lift the outriggers, turn the tractor around, and carry it out with the bucket, it, we still weren't going to get done. So I called the place back and said, would you like to sell us a skid loader? And he said, well, we don't have any skid loaders for sale right now. But he said, but I will tell you this, there is someone who's leasing one right now that I don't think they're using it. Would you like to guess where that skid loader was located? Right on the other side of the fence where we were working. I called the man, and the man said, oh, absolutely. He said, we would be glad to help you. He said, I've already paid for the rental. He said, you don't need to pay me. He said, if you would just put fuel in it when we're done. You know, God, in an amazing way, allowed us to teach Vacation Bible School all week and remove a parking lot in one week. So, on my bookcase, I have a little skid loader. That skid loader reminds me of what my God can do. Because, you see, there are times when I'm not seeing God. And I need to remember what my God can do. Let me ask you this. As we look at verses 4 through 8, what are some things that you can do to help your children know what a good God you serve? Notice his personal declaration in verse 4. He says, You are my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against me. Verse 7, Thou hast saved us from our enemies. Verse 8, In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name. Selah. You see, he pauses there and he reminds, he says, God is my authority. Any victory that I will see is from God. It's through thy name. You know, something that we often forget, in fact, something that we often forget even in our law enforcement. It used to be you used to hear this saying, stop, in the name of the law. We don't hear that very often anymore. Police officers often act as if we ought to obey them just because of who they are. But you see, a police officer is a very important person because he represents authority, not because he is an authority. In the same way, why do we do what we do? We should appeal to the fact we do what we do because of God. You see, dads, we have authority not because of how powerful we are. We have authority because God has placed us in this authority. Moms, you have authority over, over uh, children. Why? Because God has placed you in that authority. And as we demonstrate to our children our submission to God, we're teaching them how to obey authorities as well. The psalmist said, you are my strength. I do not trust in the inventions of war that we've come up with, though we use them. It's God that's our praise. You see, we think about our similarities today. What we have has been because of God's blessing. Many of our songs speak of that. God bless America. We think about in God we trust. Andrew Cuomo, this past week, 
talked about the need to get better and the need for transformation after COVID-19. He said, you know, these things that are going on cause us to pause, reflect, learn, grow, and move forward. He said, let's not waste this time. And I thought these were really good thoughts. He says, our lives have to be different. We need to change. He was talking about our patterns of life. But as he was celebrating that things are going better in New York, he insisted that God didn't make things better. He, and he said, the numbers are down because we brought the numbers down and emphasized God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering went into that. That's how it works. It's math. And if you don't continue to do that, you're going to see that number go up. And that will be a tragedy if that number goes up. You know, I understand he's saying it's important that we do what we should do. But you notice he missed the point. He missed the comfort that he could have given. His family is a Catholic family. I know he knows about God. Here, people have been removed from being able to get together and worship as a group. And he was saying, God didn't do this. Doesn't God often use people? But it's God who gives direction. It's God who gives light for our path so that we know what to do. You know, if he would have just read Leviticus, he would find out that God said, oh, you need to wash your hands often. It's the running water that will keep disease from spreading. If he would have read Leviticus, he would also see that quarantine is an important thing for the group, that often you would set aside people who have a disease so that the whole group is not infected. You see, when you appeal rather than demanding, and when you say, look, I appeal to the authority, this is the way God says we can be protected. What a confidence it gives us to do what we're doing. The second thing I want you to notice here is the fact he says, look for God's fingerprints in your discouragement or in your disaster. And that's in verses 9 through 14. It's interesting, for all the things that had just gone wrong, for all the defeats they were going through, he says, thou hast cast off. Verse 10, thou makest us to turn back. Verse 11, thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat. Verse 12, thou sellest thy people for not. Verse 13, thou makest us to reproach. And verse 14, thou makest us a byword. What he's teaching us here is, he says, look for God's fingerprints even in your discouragement or disaster. You know, when things don't go well, we tend to look for someone else's fingerprints in our lives. Yet it's important we look for God's. Notice, they had been defeated in verses 9 and 10. In verses 11 and 12, they had been deported. In verses 13 through 16, they had been derided. They had been made fun of. But God was still there in their hardship. You see, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a familiar verse that we all know, we know that all things can be used for our good because of God. In Psalm 27, verse 13, one we just were memorizing, I would have given up. I would have, I would have quit. I would have become so discouraged and despairing were it not that I believed I would still see God and I would still see God's true character. You see, you look at all those pieces to that 
and you realize sometimes we go through times that are very difficult and if we only look horizontally but we don't look vertically we're going to become very discouraged. We also see a confidence of God in the middle of disappointing times. You know Job said, though he slay me yet will I trust in him. A good friend of mine when I was growing up had a dog named Snoopy. Snoopy was an annoying dog. We would go out to play baseball and Snoopy would be out on the ball field with us. We would go bike riding and Snoopy wanted to always go with us. And my friend would get so frustrated with his dog, he would sometimes turn around and would go to hit the dog and the dog would just immediately lay down. And as soon as he was done, the dog would jump back up again and want to go with him. Why? Because Snoopy trusted his owner and wanted to be with him. The next thing I want you to notice, I had mentioned there were going to be four points. The third point is honestly inventory your life. In verses 15 through 22, we read, My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. For the voice of him that reproaches and blasphemeth, by reason of the enemy and the avenger, he says, God, I don't understand why the enemy is doing this to me and why you're allowing the enemy to do this. And then we find some very interesting things. Verse 17, all this has come upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from the way. And then he says in verse 20, if we would have forgotten our God, he would know that. God understands all that. You know, he says, it's important. They took inventory of their lives because we do know sin does impact our relationship with God. The very thing we love about God is the reason why God can't enjoy fellowship with us when we are involved in sin. Because God is holy. The question is to act ask ourselves, are we neglecting God? Verse 17. Are we disobedient to God's word? Verse 17. Have our priorities changed? Verse 18. Has something changed that shouldn't be in our lives? I go back to the press conference Governor Cuomo had, and I did appreciate this. He said, my interactions with my kids have, had gotten so superficial, now I have time to sit with them and really have in-depth conversations that I hadn't had in a long time. I was missing a lot. They have complex lives and complex feelings. You don't appreciate that normally. You know, sometimes it's during these difficult times as we consider what's going on in our lives that it allows us to get our priorities right again. Maybe for some of us we've been so busy Maybe you haven't taken time to read God's Word. Maybe you were in the habit of just getting up and dashing out the door. You were always so tired you'd sleep to the last minute and you really weren't enjoying that fellowship with Him. And now that you've had more time, you're appreciating that. Maybe you had gotten away from reading with your family, singing with your family. And now that you have time at home, there is time to do that. I want to remind you of this, and this is what the psalmist even tells us. Silence doesn't mean that we're in spiritual correction. But we ought always to have the attitude of searching. 
just to make sure there is no hindrance. In this case, they were saying, and what an unusual psalm. I think this may be one of the only psalms where they actually say, we don't know of anything that's wrong in our life. When we've gone through those three steps, we come to the last one in verse 23. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. When thou hidest thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. You know, the fourth thing that this psalm reminds us is, talk to God. Talk to God. Often when we feel distant, we stop talking. Notice the pattern God gives us. Go back to him. Ask him if there's something that you've overlooked in your life. He says, why sleepest thou? Is there something wrong, God? Why do you allow our affliction and our oppression? Then declare your, your dependence on him, where he says, cast us not off. Our soul is bowed down. Redeem us. Here are the keys. Remember what God has done. Look for God's fingerprints, even in the middle of your difficulty. Take inventory and talk to God. This is God's prescription for when we go through silent days. They need to be done in that order. Don't skip ahead. Don't jump straight into praying. You see, these components build one upon another. When we remember who God is, then we can, with confidence, look at our difficulty. And as we look at our difficulties, we look for God in that. Though man is doing these things, we can still look for what God is doing and what God is doing for good. We see then that we take inventory and as we take inventory, we look to see, are there things that God and his kindness is wanting to change in my life? It doesn't mean that this that we're going through is a judgment of God. It does mean that God can use even this for good. And then finally, pray. Ask God. Let's be praying that God would bring healing to our nation, to our community. You see, remembering what God has done reminds us of his character and who we are looking for and listening to. Looking for God in our circumstances brings us back to having the right attitude toward our circumstances so that we're not bitter. Taking inventory reminds us that sin is never worth it. And talking to God brings us back to the only one who can help us. When God seems silent, remember God's silence doesn't mean that you're alone.